Let us pray. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Philippians 4.7 My Father and my God, help me to turn my worries into prayers so that my mind can be at peace today. I worry about everything, from financial matters to what I'll cook for dinner or when I can get some time for myself. Father, ease my mind from anxious thoughts so that I can appreciate the present moment. My worries hinder me from loving fully, expressing genuinely, and living up to my full potential. Father, guard my heart and my mind when these unfavorable thoughts flood my mind. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's daily prayer. For more inspiration and an incredible message from our feature pastor, Stay tuned to Pray.com's Sunday Service. Welcome to Pray.com's Sunday Service, sponsored by Altrua HealthShare. Follow this podcast and listen weekly to receive godly wisdom and practical advice for daily living. Stay tuned for Sunday Service, coming up after a quick word from our sponsors. There's an innovative, better way to find health care. We're Altrua HealthShare, an affordable and flexible way to take care of your family. We're a community of like-minded, health-conscious individuals who share in each other's medical needs. And you can customize your health care your way with Altrua HealthShare. You can build your membership based on your season of life and your family's needs. Head to myshare.org to find out more. That's myshare.org. Altrua HealthShare, where we care for one another. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. You're listening to Living on the Edge with Chip Ingram here on Pray.com. The goal of this teaching ministry is to encourage and help Christians live like Christians. Today, we're highlighting a part of Chip's popular series, I Choose Peace, based in Philippians chapter 4. Through this study, he's helping us uncover and hold on to God's incredible gift of peace. In this particular message, Chip dives into one of the more notable passages in the New Testament and reveals how, in the most painful, intense, agonizing moments of life, we can find the peace that only God can offer. If you're ready to learn more about that, get your Bibles out and go to Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 for Chip's talk in anxious moments. It is well with my soul.
it is well with my soul. You can't sing a song like that and not pause just to ask, how's it going with your soul? I mean, is it well? When you think of the, the fears, the frustrations, the thoughts about the future, how are you doing? Song's really powerful, but the story behind it might be more powerful. It was first sung um, in 1876. It was written by Horatio Spadford. Uh, he was an attorney that did well in investments in Chicago. He was a close personal friend of a guy named D.L. Moody, who uh, was an evangelist of an earlier century. In uh, 1871, uh, there was a fire in Chicago. It's called the Great Chicago Fire. And um, he lost almost all of his holdings, all of investments. So any of you that have ever gone broke, that's where he was. And as he began to build his life up again, he just felt like, you know, we need to pause for a moment. He said to his wife, and he had four daughters, I want you to get on the ship, we'll all go together, let's get a couple months away to get perspective in Europe. I was just ready to get on the ship, and there was a zoning problem with some property, and so he had to stay behind for a few days. He says, I'll catch the next ship. It is now a famous telegraph. The ship with his wife and his four daughters was hit by another ship at sea. It went down, and he received from his wife a telegram that says, saved alone. All four of his daughters died in that shipwreck. A very few weeks later, he was on a second ship to meet his wife. And when he came to the place where the two ships collided, the captain brought him and said, this is about the place where you lost your daughters. And the words that we sang earlier is as he looked out over the ocean with the Spirit of God speaking into the deepest parts of his hurt and his pain and his loss, he said, when peace like a river, it's well with my soul. Like sea billows roll, it is well with my soul. And I don't know about you, but it seems humanly impossible to lose everything financially, lose four of your daughters, and to honestly and sincerely say, it is well with your soul. And yet, if you'll notice on the front of your teaching handout, that is exactly what Jesus promised his early disciples. And Horatio Spafford is just one person among millions over the last couple millennia have experienced the Spirit of God to do something inside of them that is beyond any human understanding. The last night, Jesus with his disciples said to them, I have told you these things so that in me that you might have peace. In the world you'll have trouble tribulations. But take heart, I've overcome the world. This isn't theory here. We've had 10 memorial services in the last 30 days in our church. There's people all around you that have lost a mom, a dad, a grandpa, a child. And that's not unique. Everyone in this room, right? We have our issues. But we can choose peace. But how do you choose peace in moments of extraordinary anxiety? That's what we're going to learn. As we do, sometimes you have to learn a little bit about the problem before you can solve it. So let's do a little research together. What exactly is anxiety? A textbook a definition, it's an uneasiness, apprehension, dread, concern, tension, restlessness, and worry. The anxious individual often anticipates misfortune, danger, or doom. 
We don't need that definition. That kind of describes where a lot of us are multiple times a week at times. The biblical word for anxiety literally means to take thought. It can be used in a positive way, like taking thought for something positively, but mostly it's used in the New Testament for taking thought as being obsessed with something. You can't get your mind off of it. The German word comes from the word to choke or to strangle, and anxiety at its heart has the idea inside your mind of being pulled in two different directions. What makes you anxious or causes it is fear of the future. This is probably the most common one. Fear of failure, fear of another terrorist attack, fear of an economic downturn, fear that your kids won't turn out right, fear you'll be single the rest of your life, fear that the marriage that you're in is never going to get any better, fear of rejection, fear of abandonment, you name it. For others, anxiety is produced by conflict in the present, conflict in your marriage, conflict with a friend, conflict at work, conflict with a neighbor, conflict with one of your kids, conflict with your in-laws. The third cause for anxiety is, in the past, regret. There's times when things are just going well and you're just driving in your car and out of the blue, you remember, oh my, what you did back then that you hope no one ever finds out. Or for some of us, we came to know Christ later in life and we made some mistakes and there's issues with some of our kids or some things about our life that we can't change and we just start getting overwhelmed with I blew it, I blew it, I blew it, and it produces this anxiety. Anxiety isn't just a, a little thing to take a pill. Anxiety can ruin your life. I have a friend who's a professor, a medical doctor, and he wrote a textbook on uh, psychological disorders. Here's a list of things that anxiety produces in us mentally, spiritually, and emotionally. Uh, makes people hyper-alert, irritable, fidgety, over-dependent, insomnia, talkative, poor memory, fainting episodes, excessive perspiration, muscle tension, headaches, including migraines, quivering voice, hyperventilation, abdominal pain, nausea, diarrhea, high blood pressure. I don't know about you, but that list alone tells me I don't know how to get rid of anxiety, but I want to get rid of it in a hurry, right? Here, so that's the issue. How do you overcome anxiety? There's many of you this last week, you woke up at 2.11 and then 3.05 or 4.07 and you're thinking about the future and your mind, it goes over and over and over again and you're very fearful about something or you're in conflict with someone and the stomach acid is going around. How does that change? That's what we're going to learn. Open your notes. I want to tell you that you simply do not have to live as an anxious person. It is possible to absolutely be at peace in the midst of horrendous, difficult, and uncertain times. Jesus promised it. My peace I give to you. You might jot on the very top of your notes, 1 Peter 5, 7. Peter would make a command and he would say, cast all your burdens upon the Lord because he cares for you. And the burdens are cares. It's the picture of a, like a nine or 10 year old boy coming home on Friday and he's got his backpack and he takes his backpack and he throws it to the corner and goes, wow, no homework. Weekend. Literally. And you know what? He's, he doesn't go and go, oh, I wonder if I've got something due later. Or he's eight years old. He just takes it off. There's no homework. Man, it's going to be fun. That's the picture of casting all your burdens on the Lord. Why? He really cares for you. 
You give your problems, your struggles, and anxiety to a personal God who is in control, who's all-wise, who's loving, who's powerful, and you're the object of his affection. And in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, he will give you a specific game plan that every time anxiety comes and knocks on the door of your heart, this game plan will teach you that prayer can answer the door and you can run into your father's arms and God will give peace. You're going to learn that every time anxiety knocks on the door of your heart, that you literally can let prayer answer it and then run into your father's arms. You're going to learn. Do I need to say it again? I want you to read the text silently as I read it out loud. Command, do not be anxious about anything. Second command, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Promise, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, if you're a little bit new, we study the Bible together, and so one of the questions we always ask before we make application is, what does it actually say? And, and by that, you need to make some observations. The Word of God is living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword, and it's truth. The second question is after, what does it say? Well, what does it actually mean? What did it mean to its first century hearers, and what does it mean to us? And then the last question that's most important is, so... God, what do you want me to do? How do I put this into practice? So often, at least when I study, I will outline the text, what I've laid out here for, I call it a mechanical outline. Just like when you study a poem or study Shakespeare and you want to grammatically see what's happening in it. So what I've done is I've taken it in the original language and I've just literally put it in order so you can see the grammar. You don't need to know the original language, but in this particular case, it's interesting that he takes a word completely out of order to make his point. So notice, just when I lay it, the first command is nothing be anxious about. If you have a pen, put a little arrow and write negative command in your notes. In other words, we're commanded, literally, it's stop being anxious. Stop worrying. It's not just a little thing. It eats up your soul. It ruins your emotions. It thwarts your relationships. It chokes the life out of you. Stop worrying. And if it's a command, that means there's, there's got to be power and a way to obey this command. Notice the positive command. But in everything, he's going to give us four specific words for prayer. After the everything, put an arrow and put positive command. In everything, by prayer, petition, with thanksgiving, the request of you be made known unto God. There are four words in the New Testament for prayer. All four of them are right here. Here's what I want you to know. When... Anxiety knocks on the door of your heart. Let prayer answer it, but not just any kind of prayer. He's going to give you a very clear, using all four words, there's a specific way to pray that when you're anxious, when you're fearful, when the stomach acid starts, when you are awake and can't fall back to sleep, when you have these scenarios where you're projecting into the future how terrible and what's going to happen, and at your job, and your kids aren't going to turn out right, and this is going to happen, and your marriage will never get better, and this thing at work is never going to change, and the health issue is always going to go from bad to worse. Once you start down that track, there's a kind and there's a way to pray that the Spirit of God will go, hush. In fact, notice what the promise is. 
The promise is that when you pray, petition with thanksgiving, and you make your request known to God, the peace of God that's beyond human understanding will guard your heart and your thoughts, or literally your minds, circle the word guard. If you've ever seen the little commercial, I, I like this commercial. It's the one where the, the guy's in the bank, and the robbers come in, and everyone's on the floor, and the lady looks up and says, do something. He goes, oh, I, I'm not a security guard. I'm a security monitor. I'm just monitoring. There's a problem here. That's this word. He says, when you pray like this, the Spirit of God that gives you a sense of peace and calm will literally guard the deepest parts of your life and your thinking. And in fact, what we're going to learn is there's times when you lose your peace, when you, when you realize there's, there's something wrong, that actually it's like the, the red light on the dashboard of the car. And what it tells you is that there's something wrong under the hood. When you lose your peace, there's something about your abiding in Christ, your focus, your mind, your trust is off of Christ and onto something else, and your loss of peace is like, and it says he'll act as like an arbitrator, a monitor, so that you can get back in line. With that, let's get to the application. Negatively, there's a command. We've looked at them negatively and positively. You'll notice there's four key words, that it's the how, and there's the promise, which is the why. In your notes where it says negatively, I would like you to write, stop worrying about anything. Part of how our minds work, we see it, we say it, we write it, it sticks. I just saw a study by Harvard University recently that talked about those graduates that actually wrote down their goals were 80% more likely to succeed. I want you to write down, stop worrying. Don't just sit here and listen. You're not passive. This is about your life today in this moment. Second, where it says positive command, I want you to write, pray about everything. Because we're going to, here's the thing, some of us have practiced being anxious most of our lives. We learned it from our parents. Almost everyone does it. We, we, we think that what you do, you know, when you worry is you take a pill for this, a pill for that. Uh, when you feel uptight, we'll turn on the TV. For others, when you lose your peace, you go shopping. For others, you know, it's been really tough and you're uptight about things and you wonder. And so, you know, one glass of wine made you feel a little bit better and about three makes you feel a lot better. Some of you had a prescription for some back pain, and when you get uptight now, you actually take some of those pills even though your back pain was months ago gone and better. For others, some of us, it's, it's maybe a little bit more healthy. You just work. The moment you feel anxious, you just start working because you feel like you're in control. At the heart of anxiety is life is out of control and I can't handle this, so you do something that gives you pseudo-peace. For many of us, it's just a trip to the refrigerator when we're not really in need of calories. But there's something about a bag of chips, a bag of popcorn, some chocolate that just makes you feel better for what, right, 15 to 30 minutes? There's all kind of ways that we address our anxiety. Most of them aren't very helpful. And then when we do a lot of those things, some of you log on and surf. Some of you spend mindless hours, not because you want to or need to, because it's just a distraction. Is there something wrong inherently with doing some of those things? Absolutely not. But when I'm doing that, because what I'm really trying to do is get my mind off of this gnawing anxiety, you're not, you're not letting the peace of Christ rule in your heart and in your mind. 
I mean, my confession is, my, my anxiety, you know, ESPN, somehow watching other people play games makes me feel better for a half hour, or get into my work, or go work out. Bad? Evil? I don't think so. But when I do it, instead of letting prayer answer the door and let God work in my life, my heart, neither wise nor profitable. Now, what I want you to see is that prayer answers the door, but it's a very specific kind of prayer. Like you, I have, uh, I have lots of challenges with anxiety. I think we all do. And I think God would say, okay, I want to teach you a way to pray. Because I, I felt very anxious and, oh, God, help, 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 God, God, God. And then I just pick up the backpack and put the burdens right back on. So I want to walk through these four specific words. You practice this, and you do not have to be anxious. The first word is prayer. It's the most common word in the New Testament in prayer. It has the idea of turning in the moment you feel anxious. It's turning my thoughts and my feelings upward. It's getting an upward focus. It's, it's adoration. It's pausing and recognizing, wait a second, in the midst of these struggles right now, I want to get my focus on who is God? Worship. I, uh, I actually have more than a few struggles with anxiety. Uh, I tend to juggle a few more balls than I can really juggle. I uh, try to accomplish more than I'm really capable of. And as a result of that, you know, I don't know about you, but you, you, can, you can wake up. And if you, if you wake up, and as you're waking up, the first thoughts in your mind is, what about this? And what about that meeting? And what about this? And one of my kids over here? And then if you get up out of bed, wash your face, and if you pick up your phone, oh my gosh, Dow's down 77 points. And I'll, I'll just check my email while I'm walking to make coffee. Oh my gosh. Pretty, you know what you're setting yourself up for? Disaster. The first thing you need to do in the morning, every, every morning, either Psalm 23 or the Lord's Prayer, before I get out of bed, I realize, God, if I don't see life through your lens, I'm going to be in trouble because I know this life is going to bring more challenges. Just the ones I know about, they're more than I can handle. And it's interesting, when Jesus taught his disciples to pray, what did he say? When you pray, say, our Father, oh. So in the midst of all the craziness of the world, the one who created all that there is, the one who sent his son to die for you and rise from the dead, the one who's the sovereign king who's all wise, all powerful, and all knowing of every circumstance, real, possible, and potential, he's your papa. And say to him, who art in heaven? You're not, you're not pulled into this or that. You're the creator. You're in control. Holy is your name. I can, I can know 100% of the time that God will never lie to me. God's always going to be pure, his intentions. So it's, it's this moment where you, you pause and you get a high, clear view of God. When anxiety knocks at the door of your heart, let prayer answer it. And the first prayer is worship and adoration. So I have a habit as I'm laying in bed, I either pray slowly through Psalm 23 or the Lord's Prayer or parts of it, and then I don't look at my phone, I don't check my email, I have coffee already made because that's a very important part of my early morning. And the dog and I are friends, so I let the dog out. And every morning I take my cup of coffee and my dog's out running around, 
and I stand in my patio like I did this morning, and I look up and I see these stars. And I, and I force myself out loud, almighty, ever-living creator, little people like me have stared at this guy for thousands and thousands of years, and you created him, and this is just the Milky Way. There's 100, maybe 200 billion stars in this little galaxy, and they didn't know there's another couple hundred billion galaxies. And the one that placed these in the sky at this moment on this day, I'm the object of your affection. I don't know how to pull off or what's going to happen, but I'm going to go in and I'm going to talk to you and read what you want to say to me. But I'm going with you, the creator of the world, at my back. Here's what I can tell you. As you get a really big God, you will get really small problems. If you have really big problems, you have a very small God. See, what happens, what the take thought of, it means to focus on, get obsessed with. Okay, here's a problem. Okay, maybe 85% or 90% of your marriage is pretty good. Or, or at work, you really do have a good job, but there's a supervisor. Or, or maybe, you know, you're single, but you have some really good friends. But, you know, but whatever the part that really makes you anxious or there's uncertainty, here's what you do. You focus on it, you focus on it, you focus on it, you focus on it, you focus on it. And pretty soon, you look at all of life through this thing, this anxiety. And then when, as you look at all in life, the way we're made is then your emotions and your physiology begin to respond, and then your body and your world gets messed up because you think this is the world. He says, when anxiety knocks at the door of your heart, let prayer answer it, and the first thing you do, this is the God that can deal with that. You think God can heal someone of cancer? We've seen it. You think God can give people grace to go through cancer? You think God can actually take someone that you love to heaven and you recover from it and be okay knowing you're going to see them later? You bet. You think God can give you a new job if you don't have it? You think God can get into the heart of one of your kids that's not walking with God? Do you think God can? Of course he can. Intellectually you believe that. But it doesn't experience it until you worship him. Put a little A the left of where it says prayer, and circle it, and I'll tell you why later. The second is petition. This is the second most common word in the New Testament. It's focusing on your need. It's a prayer that expresses my need or my want before I ask. It's a sense that I, it's the awareness that I am unable, that I have limitations in this situation, that I need you, God. I can't handle this. Much of anxiety is about, here's a problem or here's an issue, and the resource you unconsciously look to is, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? How do I fix it? How do I fix it? And the more it's overwhelming or the more it's out of your control and the more you realize you can't fix it, guess what happens? It just grows and grows and grows. And so the kind of prayer that answers the door when anxiety knocks and causes you to run to your father is first adoration, and this is confession. God, I can't handle this. I don't know what to do in this marriage. I, I've tried everything under the sun. I, I can't get one of my kids' attention for the life of me. You know what? Unless you, like, transfer my supervisor to Siberia, I, I, I don't, you know, he doesn't like me. She doesn't like me. I feel like I can't handle this. Lord, I need you. You know what that is called in Scripture? Humility, dependency. And you know what? You can't cast your cares 
on Jesus as long as you're holding on to him and assuming that some way, somehow, my ability, my moxie, my personality, my brains, I'm going to solve this. And so the kind of prayer is first worship and then confession. And you say, you care for me, I can't handle this. And then it positions you to begin to ask him, to really ask him for help. The third word is thanksgiving. It's a very interesting compound word. It means to be good or well and combined with grace. I love one commentator. He says the way this is phrased, it's like sprinkling like salt and pepper into the rest of your prayers where you're constantly giving thanks. I mean, I find myself when I look at the stars, when I'm worshiping God, all of a sudden he'll just bring to my mind, you know, you've got almost 40 years with your wife after all that you guys have been through. And, you know, think about what that day when your one son was in ICU or, you know, you thought this was an impossible problem. God, thanks. So I'm worshiping, but I just sort of fall into thanksgiving. Or, or how about when you're confessing, I can't do this, I can't do this, I can't do this. You know what God reminds me? Hey, remember like two years ago or three months ago when it was an impossible situation and you couldn't do it? Do you remember what I did? Oh, yeah. You were faithful. Thank you. In fact, let me show you a little tool. And I know some of you are not writers. You're not verbal processors. I don't think people need to keep a journal to be godly, okay? But if you're a little ADD, if I'm going to, you know, you know, like in services like this, sometimes we say, I want to ask you a question, but don't raise your hand. Can I try the opposite? I'm going to ask you a question, and I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Does anybody else except me, does your mind wander when you pray? Oh, my gosh. It's just, and, and then I feel so guilty. I mean, I've been out in the stars. I've worshipped him. I'm reading the Bible. God, I can't do this. And then my mind's all the way over to here, and then it's over the way to here, and then it's over to here. Oh, my God, no. And what I realize is I can't concentrate very well. So when it comes to... I'm just, and then I get paralyzed, and then I feel bad that I can't concentrate, and then I tell God I'm sorry, and then it's like confession. Sometimes I just give up, and the anxiety doesn't leave. And here's what I've learned to do. I've learned when I'm going through that, I realize that anxiety and biblical prayer cannot coexist. And anxiety can't live with thankfulness. So, for example... I, I just couldn't concentrate. Uh, Lord, I'm overly aware of what I am not in varying degrees of what awaits me. I was away for a few days, and what I returned, you know, I had like, right, anxiety, like 200 emails, three meetings. Holy Father, please forgive me for my self-focus, and please renew my heart and my mind. I'm viewing things through a negative lens, and it's producing negative emotions. And so this is what I did. Thank you for the rest, the walks, the time to read, relax, and laugh with Teresa. Thank you for Teresa that she said she's feeling better physically than she has in a long time. Thank you for the long and beautiful pool to swim and rehab my back. Thank you that I rarely had to take Advil for the last few days. I mean, can you imagine thanking God for no Advil? Here's what I'm trying to get. This is how life really works. It's in the details of life where you say, well, no, that, that's big. Thank you for the insight and encouragement to listen to the book by John Ortberg, The Life You've Always Wanted, 
and the resilience and encouragement it's brought to my heart. Thank you for the God impulse to help people that we've met on the streets that are poor. Thank you that despite all the unpleasantness I see in my life, my mistakes in leadership, personal struggles and failures, as a Christian, as a husband, as a father, and as a leader, that you love me, delight in me, and have exceeding mercy upon me, my family, my life, my ministry, and that you're not surprised or shocked that I don't measure up. You remember even when I forget that I'm but dust. I cannot in this life measure up. I am in need of your mercy and your grace every moment of every day. The truth is, many of the things that bother me about me, they bother me because they're true. Anybody else have that? And so, but you, you know what? When I got done, I was at peace. See, part of all your psyche stuff is, I don't measure up, I got to do this, I do. sometimes just being honest. And you know what? This is who God is. I have great need. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm going to thank my way into the presence of God. And then the last word is a powerful word. And the last word he talks about is, so what do you do? It's requests. You outline your specific needs. I mean, this is like... You know why some of you don't experience much of God? You pray prayers like this, Lord, bless my family. Help me have a good day. Help my children. Help me someday, some way, somehow to meet someone. Uh, Lord, uh, cause me to grow spiritually somehow, some way. I mean, that's like my wife sending me to the grocery store and say, could you buy some food that we will all like and that I will cook well? I mean, she would go, oh my gosh. Whenever she sends me, and if she was here, she'd say, she doesn't send me very often. Man, I got a list, and then it's like, here's the label. It's got to be organic. It's got to be this. She wants very specific things. Once you have, this is who God is. This is your need. I'm thanking him. What do you want? God, I ask you specifically to move in my supervisor's heart to give me favor with him and that I would have great affirmation in this meeting. God, I'm asking you for X amount of dollars because this is what's happening in our family situation and I need that. God, I'm asking you for the best doctor in all the Bay Area. Help me get, bring someone in contact. How do we deal with this cancer? Write specific things and expect specific things and then like a grocery list, give them to the God who's all wise, all knowing and you're his son, his daughter and he'll help you. I, my little, the next thing I do in my journal is, uh, this is my, I, take, I, I pray once I've gotten there, these are all little boxes. I turn all my concerns, all my anxiety into prayers. Here's a box, there it is. Here's a box, here it is. And I'm turning them into requests. And this is a month old. All but about two have check marks next to the box. You know what I'm experiencing? God's alive in my life. God is showing up. I'll guarantee he's showing up in your life. You just don't know it. You don't track it. You don't pray specifically. Here's what he's saying. When anxiety knocks at the door of your heart, let prayer, this kind of prayer, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication, let prayer answer it and then run into your father's arms. Run into your father's arms. It's like, remember, for some of us, when you had small kids, or some of you have small kids, when they have a bad dream, what do they always do? Like they're four, they're three, they have a bad dream. They get up, they run, and what do they do? They're at your bedside. What do they want to do? They want to get in bed with you. So what do you do? You open the covers, and you go, oh, brother, 
you know, because they take up the whole bed. And then they lay next to you, and 30 seconds later, what do you hear? You think that's an accident? See, they think that their parent loves them, is in control, and it's a safe place, and they're at peace. And the God of the universe says, come, come. Stop fretting. Stop worrying. Stop trying to figure out how you can solve it all. In fact, the promise here, peace and anxiety cannot, write the word coexist. Peace and anxiety can't coexist. Second, anxiety and biblical prayer cannot coexist. Now, I'm going to give you a little warning because, you know, I hope some of you are going, wow, now, okay, I, I get it. And, you know, this, I ask you to put an A. A, okay, anxiety is coming into my life. A, adoration. The next, put the letter C next to that one under the petition, confession. T for thanksgiving. And then S, supplication, what I'm actually going to ask. So A, C, T, S. So it's, it's just a little axe. This is my, when anxiety knocks at the door of my heart, I'm going to let an axe kind of prayer, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication, I'm going to let it answer, and I'm going to run into my Father's arms. Now here's the deal. If you never played golf, or if you never went bowling, if you never played an instrument, or if you did it like 35 years ago, would you expect to go and roll a 300 or shoot par? Or would you expect it is a skill to learn about, a skill to practice, a skill to develop, and that over time you would get better and better and better and better? You don't have to live an anxious life, but you have built and I have built lifelong habit patterns to respond to anxiety in ways that are very dysfunctional and very painful, and they're bad for you, your soul, your relationship with God, your family, and with other people. So what I just described, you're going to have to go into training and begin to practice. So when you feel peace leaving, because by the way, you can do all four of those kind of prayers in about three or four or five minutes, if, right? You can, you can take a break. I, I've had situations where I've been in a situation, I'm anxious like this, and I don't know what to do. Excuse me, i got to go to the bathroom. I've gone to the bathroom while I'm washing my hands. God, help me to remember. And I'll just walk through that and ask the peace of Christ, because I, I, I need your power. I need to abide in you. I need your peace and your power. And Jesus said he's given it to us freely. To summarize on the very back, biblical prayer is God's antidote to anxiety. It's simple and yet profound. Biblical prayer is the antidote to anxiety. Every time you feel anxious this week, here's the word picture. When, can, can you fill it in even without me saying? When anxiety pounds at the door of your heart, let... Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. Okay, let's, let's, try, let's try that again. That's the most unaffirming response to someone speaking I've ever had in my whole life. And I know you were, just, you were deep in thought. That's it. Okay, are you ready? Okay, here, let's try this again. When anxiety pounds at the door of your heart, let... Prayer. Oh, they are beautiful, Lord. Answer it as you run into your Father's arms. What I understand is there might be some people that grow up like me is if, if God is not your father, if you've never received him as your savior, this doesn't work. 
because these promises aren't for people outside of Christ. And so the, the prayer that relieves the biggest anxiety, it was my most amazing experience. Even though I'd been to church, even though I intellectually believed in God, I didn't realize I needed to turn from my sin, my self-will, and running my life. And I need to turn and say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you came from heaven, that you were in fact God and you died upon the cross. And as you hung upon the cross, you paid for my sin. And you covered or atoned for my sin. And what you have said is that as many as believe and would invite you into their heart and life, you would literally take up residence. And that's how your peace starts. If you've never done that, we would love to help you on your journey to make that decision. Because he brought you here today because you matter and he loves you. You've been listening to Living on the Edge with Chip Ingram here on Pray.com. The message you just heard is from our series, I Choose Peace. To hear more from this teaching or to learn more about this ministry, visit livingontheedge.org or download the Chip Ingram app. As we wrap up, Living on the Edge depends on listeners just like you to help us continue encouraging Christians to live like Christians. And right now in March, we're asking for everyone to consider becoming a monthly partner. Your regular dependable support multiplies our efforts and resources in incredible ways. So would you consider partnering with us every month? You can do that by clicking the Donate button. Thanks for doing whatever the Lord leads you to do. Well, that wraps up this edition of Living on the Edge with Chip Ingram. Thanks for listening to this Sunday service here on Pray.com. I hope you'll join us next time. The podcast, The Bible in a Year with Jack Graham, is a moving and inspiring biblical audio experience that will help you master wisdom from the world's greatest book, In each episode, you'll learn to apply biblical principles to everyday life. Each cinematic episode is a journey through the Bible's most profound stories that will strengthen your appreciation of the Word and inspire you to keep learning. Listen to The Bible in a Year with Jack Graham on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in! Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it! Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby! 
wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.